right. Welcome to the Situation Update for Wednesday, October 12th, 2022. Mike Adams here, Health Ranger for ITN.com. And I got to play this video for you right out of the gate. Two minutes out of the European Union. We have a European Parliament member, Robert Roos, who is uh, giving us some shocking information about Pfizer admitting that the Pfizer vaccine was never tested for stopping transmission. Never tested because they didn't have time. Check out this two-minute video. Unbelievable. If you don't get vaccinated, you're antisocial. This is what the Dutch Prime Minister and Health Minister told us. You don't get vaccinated just for yourself, but also for others. You do it for all of society. That's what I said. Today, this turned out to be complete nonsense. In a COVID hearing in the European Parliament, one of the Pfizer directors just admitted to me, at the time of introduction, the vaccine had never been tested on stopping the transmission of the virus. This removes the entire legal basis for the COVID passport, the COVID passport that led to massive institutional discrimination as people lost access to essential parts of society. I find this to be shocking, even criminal. Please watch the video until the end. Voor u, mevrouw Smol, heb ik de volgende vraag waar ik een duidelijk antwoord op wil. And I will speak in English so there are no misunderstandings. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. This is scandalous. Millions of people worldwide felt forced to get vaccinated because of the myth that you do it for others. Now this turned out to be a cheap lie. This should be exposed. Please share this video. So I love that answer. We had to move at the speed of science. Therefore, we didn't have time to do any science. <laughs> wow, that's a whole new kind of science. It's, the science is so fast, you didn't even see it. it the, the science is so fast, it just went right past you. The, the science is so fast, it didn't even happen. That's the, the, that's the speed of science today, just so you know. So if anybody asks you if you're doing something and cutting corners and not doing the work correctly and just making up numbers or whatever, just, oh, I'm moving at the speed of science. <laughs> Imagine if we moved at the speed of science filling out our taxes to file with the IRS, huh? What What if you just make up random numbers or really favorable numbers and just at the end of it, you do all the math. Ah, it turns out we owe nothing. And the IRS contacts you. Hey, this is completely wrong. The numbers are all wrong. You say, well, we didn't have time. We were doing the math at the speed of science. <laughs> you think they'll take that answer? And yet billions of people lined up all over the world to be injected with something that moved, quote, at the speed of science, which means they did know science. This is hilarious. The, I mean, well, it's criminal. I agree with the uh, parliament member there. It's criminal. It's also kind of hilarious, right? 
just goes to show you the whole thing was a fraud from day one. Or wonder what would happen if there were a natural health supplement company that had an anti-cancer supplement, you know, that's FDA regulated, but they decided they needed to move at the speed of science, and so they didn't have time to do any cancer tests, and they just rolled it out. Uh, this thing cures cancer, you know, whatever it is. Here, take this supplement, cancer cure. And then the FDA comes along and says, oh, you're making unapproved claims, illegal claims, and uh, we demand you pull the product off the market and explain what you were doing. Well, I guess you could explain in the letter, citing Pfizer, um, hey, we were just moving at the speed of science. We didn't, we didn't have time to do any testing against cancer because there's a, there's a cancer epidemic. So many people are dying from cancer. We didn't have time. We had to move at the speed of science. I love that answer, huh? Wow, I guess we're going to hear that for lots of things, like the next pandemic that they release, you know, some kind of crazy Marburg, Ebola, chimeric combination. This is a bird flu, MERS, Zika monstrosity. Everybody's bleeding out of their eyes and ears. And then they, they roll out another vaccine that they just happen to have ready, you know, came out of Plum Island, New York, you know. <laughs> it's it's and it's embedded in ticks and it's like oh does this vaccine work we don't know we had to move at the speed of science people are bleeding my goodness <laughs> yeah crazy times folks all right now in other crazy news oh this this involves the military draft in the united states that biological males who identify as female you know transgenders turns out they still have to sign up for the military draft that's right from the Pentagon and the Selective Service System website, quote, individuals who are born male and change their gender to female are still required to register. So mm, I guess you can't get out of the draft, all the men out there, just by pretending to be women. Although they can pretend to be sissies, but that's not even pretend. They are sissies if they're trying to pretend to be women to get out of the draft. That's, that's a total sissy move. Would you not agree? But, by the way, um, biological women who change their gender to male, which, of course, is impossible, but just bear with me here, they are not required to register for the draft. Oh, oh so wait, the, are you saying that the Pentagon recognizes there's a difference between men and women? Hmm. So, in other words, gender counts for the draft. <laughs> But but everywhere else in society, you're supposed to automatically accept this delusion that there's no such thing as biology. Except when it comes to the draft, then biology counts. So if you're born a man, you got to register for the draft. If you're born a woman, you don't have to, even if you're pretending to be a man. And you know why they had to do this? This is the most hilarious part, because probably some form of a draft is coming, because we're about to go into World War III, right? And, of course, very few men want to serve in the military because the men have become totally sissified soy boys in America today, right? So if you allow transgenderism to be your loophole to get out of the draft, then, of course, every left-wing man is just going to say, well, I self-identify as a woman. Therefore, I don't have to register for the draft. They're all going to say that. And the Pentagon has figured out, well, that, we can't let them do that. 
We're going to make sure biology counts for this one thing, but nothing else. So what happens then if you put a Pentagon official in a room with a woke left-wing doctor, and the Pentagon official's like, biology is real, biology counts, and the woke doctor's like, no, it doesn't, it gender is whatever you say it is. Then suddenly they're butting heads, right? <laughs> but, of course, the Pentagon wins because they have the bombs. Well, at least until they ship them all to Ukraine, I should add. All right, moving on to France. Check out this story from Daily Caller. French police are checking fuel tanks before allowing people to fill up over shortages. Did you know that there's they don't have gas, gasoline, you know, in France right now, or they have very little because of a strike, I think it was. And so, yeah, fuel strikes and shortages all across the country and uh, people trying to fill up with gas. And the, the police apparently are standing by at these gas stations and wanting to check everybody's fuel tank, right? And, and apparently you're, you're not allowed to get gas unless you're almost out. For some reason, this is the rule. Although you would think that it doesn't, it, I mean, what, what's the logic behind this rule? You can only have gas if you're almost out. Therefore, you would fill up with a lot more gas. Whereas if you're only down a quarter tank and you only need a quarter tank of gas, you're not allowed to fill up. Not until it's an emergency and you need a lot more gas. So in other words, they're filtering the gas lines to make sure the only people who are allowed through are people who need a lot more gas. Does this make any sense? Of course it doesn't. But it's just, it's appropriately socialist to be 100% French, isn't it? French socialism, we're going to check your gas levels of your car before you're allowed to fill up gas. Now, of course, a clever French man or woman would just fill up, you know, go home, use a siphon, suck three quarters of the gasoline out of the vehicle, put it in gas cans, and then go back to a different gas station and say, look, I'm almost out. I got to get gas. It's, oh, yeah, go ahead. You're almost empty. You need more gas. So the, the, this is, it's, it's insane. It's a, it's a gasoline police state now in France, which, again, is totally fitting for the French socialism. And by the way, in, in some areas of France, they are not allowing people to fill up gasoline containers, which is also incredibly silly since there's a gasoline container in your car. It's called your gas tank. And so, again, you just fill up, you go home, you take the gas out, you go back to the gas station. They're just making people jump through these hoops while overall they're not conserving any more gas. If anything, they're wasting gas from people making all the trips back and forth to the gas station. It's, it's the least efficient way to distribute scarce resources. So, of course, it's, it's, it's a French government invention. But, of course, the Germans have to outdo the French. And so the Germans have come up with something really, really clever. Oh, I have to share this one with you. Okay, this is an actual headline from the Western Journal. Germany to, quote, thermally recycle COVID masks as country faces energy apocalypse. <laughs> okay, that's a great headline. Love it. So, okay, so Germany is running out of energy, obviously, for all the reasons we've talked about here, the Nord Stream pipelines and Russia and all that. And they have too many COVID masks. Why? Well, because masks don't work. It, it was just bogus fraud and people are tired of the fraud, right? Like, forget the mask. So they're sitting on all these masks. They've got 
apparently 800 million extra face masks, which have expired. <laughs> 800 million. Who, who are all these masks for, by the way? They've got 800 million masks that are have expired. I didn't know masks had an expiration date, but apparently the German ones do. <laughs> it's not surprising. So they're expired masks, and Germany has come up with an incredible idea. They're going to incinerate them to generate heat. That's right. They're going to burn the masks, which, by the way, is something that I think I said early on. Burn your mask. And uh, that was considered, you know, a conspiracy theory. Now it's official German policy. They're going to burn all the masks. And by the way, these masks cost reportedly $5.9 billion. That's, that seems crazy. Like $6 billion for 800 million masks. I think they overpaid. Do the math on that. I think they overpaid for these masks. Um, and now they're going to burn them. So the uh, Germany's Federal Ministry for the Environment, Nature Conservation, Nuclear Safety, and Consumer Protection is apparently bragging about how burning these masks offers the possibility of generating not only electricity, but also heat. And I'm thinking, well, this is the perfect socialist liberal economy, is you, you make a bunch of masks that no one uses, and then you burn them to generate electricity. <laughs> it's like, isn't it the perfect socialist economy? Yeah, and everybody will live in poverty and uh, freeze to death, by the way. But they're they're burning... 800 million pieces of medical equipment to generate heat. And this is being done again by the Nature Conservation Group, the, the Federal Ministry for the Environment, which seems incredibly odd when you realize that a lot of these masks are made out of uh, polymers and plastics and materials that probably you wouldn't want to burn because they would release a lot of, well, pollution, toxic chemicals into the environment. Right. But but now it's like, hey, let's just burn the masks for heat. And who cares about the emissions? We're the nature conservation ministry. <laughs> who cares? And this is all a result, by the way, of, you know, Gazprom and the Nord Stream pipelines being shut down. And, of course, the suicide sanctions against Germany that have backfired against Western Europe. It's like, wow, Germany, you have no energy. Pretty much the government's just looking around like, what do we have to burn? What What's sitting around here? Oh, look, medical supplies. Burn that. I'm thinking, well, what about all your um, all the paperwork they have in the German government? Surely you could burn paperwork and heat all of Europe for several winters to come. But, you know, the people of Germany are also now uh, freaking out and, quote, panic buying firewood and stoves. And this has been happening for quite some time. The more intelligent Germans have been buying wood stoves for many months and trying to stockpile wood. The uh, the lesser intelligent Europeans have waited until it got cold. And then they're like, huh, what are we going to burn for heat? <laughs> well, apparently, if you had stocked up on masks, you could just burn those. But you have to have a wood stove, you know, in your house or apartment or wherever, wherever you can have a wood stove in order to generate heat. But you always have to be careful around Germany when times get desperate and they're looking for something to burn. Because it wasn't that long ago in the Nazi regime that they were burning people. You know that, right? They were cremating people. 
and they were using that as a source of heat to heat, you know, institutional buildings and government buildings and so on. Did you know that? That it's true. They were burning people. Uh people's bodies give off heat. So you always have to be careful living in a fascist socialist whatever regime when they uh they run out of things to burn. So I'm glad they have the 800 million masks for the moment. I I don't think that's going to last very long. And I would also imagine that the German people are looking around their own homes and apartments right now and thinking, uh, maybe we don't need that chair. Or uh, let's start burning junk mail. And then here's a story, by the way, that actually is along these same lines. The energy crisis in Europe is so bad that uh, people are going to start burning horse poop to heat their homes. Yeah, that, That's right. Welcome to the new green progressive Europe. Let's burn poo. So this is from Michael Snyder at the Economic Collapse blog. He says, demand for wood stoves is off the charts. Many Europeans are hoarding wood and other materials to burn in their existing wood stoves. Like, this would be a good time to get a lot of junk mail, you know. But um, it's also being reported that any stoves ordered now will take many months to get delivered. And if you're buying firewood right now, it gets delivered in March. <laughs> good, good luck. Yeah, yeah, like when when the thaw begins, that's when you can get your, your firewood. So apparently it's being reported now that the chimney sweeps, those are the people that clean the chimneys, in case you didn't know. The chimney sweeps in Germany are being asked by customers if if they know where they can get some horse dung and, <laughs> in order to burn. So, you know, my dogs like to eat donkey poo. I did not realize they were collecting firewood, essentially. I didn't realize that. I thought they just had weird tastes in, you know, pelletized, nuggetized, uh, lumpified food. And I've given up stopping them. And I take them for a walk, and they just find fresh donkey poo, and they're all into it, you know. So, uh, whatever, go for it. Um, now, I guess the Germans are going to be collecting poo even more voraciously than my dogs that that's amazing but of course to burn not to eat it unless the food supply gets even worse and then who knows but hey if you're looking for something to burn that would actually generate heat and be useful uh why not burn all the german newspapers that falsely reported that climate change was real and everybody had to give up all their fossil fuels in order to please the greenies and so now you're all starving and freezing to death and lighting up horse dung just to not freeze, you know? <laughs> it's uh, Of course, the, the newspapers are digital now. I realize that. But if you could find paper versions, that would be worth burning. You know, it's too bad we can't burn vaccines for heat energy. There's got to be a huge supply of vaccines all over the world right now. Uh, sadly, you can't burn down vaccines, but you can burn down, oh, the bond market. Yeah, we're going to shift gears here into a little bit of finance. There's a very interesting story that showed up in the last day or so at MarketWatch.com. It was by uh, what Philip Van Dorn talking about Larry McDonald. I don't know these guys. But Larry McDonald is saying that, well, the bond market is about to suffer a massive meltdown. And I don't know if you know this, but the bond market is much, much larger than the stock market. You know, the stocks are very small, actually, compared to debt. And the bond market is, you know, corporate debt, 
corporate bonds, municipal bonds, government bonds, and all of that. The debt market is massive. But McDonald's is talking about how, quote, things are breaking and that the Federal Reserve is going to have to make major policy changes very soon. He was he said that government bonds with a 0.5% coupon that matures in 2061, which, first of all, that that's just astonishing that anybody would buy a government bond assuming that any of these governments are going to exist in the year 2061. That's insane. But people do. I mean, institutions do that. Buy, they buy these bonds and pensions, buy them and so on. Universities, whatever. But in December, you know, a year ago, these were trading at 97 cents on the dollar. In August, just recently, they were trading at 58 cents on the dollar. And now, in recent weeks, they're trading at 24 cents on the dollar. In other words, these bonds have collapsed by about 75% in less than one year. I mean, imagine the value of the bonds has collapsed 75%. Now, not all bonds have collapsed 75%, but some have collapsed even more. The problem is this system is about to melt down in a massive way because of, of course, well, rising interest rates and all the money printing and so on. And these investors are basically begging the Fed to pivot, as is the United Nations, by the way. Europe is begging the Fed to pivot. That that means to stop raising interest rates, start lowering interest rates, and start flooding the market with more liquidity, which would make inflation far worse. But that's not the only piece of information out there right now about how this system is melting down. Check this out. So here's a story from... Uh, Zero Hedge, Bank of England says to the global markets, quote, you have three days to sell all the things. <laughs> that, that's, that's interesting grammar, too. You have three days to sell everything. So the Bank of England, uh, this person there, what is spokesperson, uh, Bailey. Uh, yeah, here it is, Governor Andrew Bailey. He um, warned that, quote, market volatility went beyond bank stress tests, <laughs> which, which means uh, we've never seen this before. Like, we, you know, all the emergency simulations that we ran never went into this territory. That's basically what he's saying. And then he adds to it, there is, quote, a serious risk to the uh, a serious risk to UK financial system stability, which means that uh, the whole system might fall apart. And then he says that the current buying program that the Bank of England is engaged in, you know, to save the pensions from collapsing, is, quote, temporary. And then, okay, he he was saying that the Bank of England will be out of these markets by the end of the week. And he added the following insane threat, quote, my message to the funds involved, and he's talking about investors in the pension funds, by the way, and the GILTS, the G-I-L-T-S, that that's part of the ecosystem of the pension funds and the bonds. He says, my message to the funds involved and all the firms is you've got three days left now, said, said Bailey on Tuesday. Quote, you've got to get this done. The essence of financial stability is that it uh, intervention is temporary. It's not prolonged. So he basically just said, You've got three days to sell everything and get out before this whole system becomes unsustainable and and collapses. Now, <laughs> it's just who talks like that 
if you're the governor of a bank, you know, that's not something that you want to advertise. It's like, hey, everybody, you got three days. I mean, that's a that's a bank run in the making, if you say something like that, which he did. But it, it brings up so many questions, doesn't it? I mean, think about some of the recent guests I've had on, like uh, Ben Armstrong yesterday. And he was talking about, well, October 14th, which is, I think, right on three days from 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 when this was stated. Uh, October 14th is the day that is the what the 70 year anniversary of the inauguration of the United Nations in New York City, which has biblical end times implications. And so on. that was in yesterday's interview. And then also remember my interview, what, two weeks ago with uh, Aaron Brickman. And he was talking about this this window of financial collapse has opened up and it runs from, I think, last Wednesday through November 8th. And it's active right now because of all these historical cycles and human psychology and this alignment that hasn't happened in, I don't know how long, 80 plus years or something. This time period is ripe for systemic collapse of the markets. And then I hear the Bank of England guy come out and say, yeah, you got three days to clear out before it gets bad. <laughs> it's like, wow, uh, things are lining up and it's not looking good for the stability of the financial system. And, you know, the the money printing by the Bank of England, which is, let's let's face it, you know, that's quantitative easing by a different name, but that's what they've been doing since what? Last week, I think, trying to save the system and prevent total collapse. This system is is rescuing the the pension bonds by buying them when no one else wants to buy them. And then here's a quote from Craig Inches, who's the head of rates and cash at the Royal London Asset Management Firm. And he says, quote, the way that the bank, he's talking about the Bank of England, has structured this intervention is they can only buy assets if people put offers into them, but nobody is putting offers in. In other words, uh, nobody even wants to, the, the, no one wants to buy these at all. There are no buyers. There are no offers. So how is the Bank of England going to rescue this whole system when nobody wants to buy the collapsing debt? And then check this out, Japan. So this is also from Zero Hedge, which does a lot of financial coverage, of course. No trades were reported overnight in the benchmark 10-year Japanese government bond, what's known as JGB, for the third straight day. In other words, and this is unheard of, right? The, for three days in a row, there have not been any bids, no, no, no trades conducted on the 10-year Japanese government bonds. Like, what? What? Nobody is buying, well, essentially the Bank of Japan uh, debt instruments anymore, the 10-year debt instruments. They've gone to zero demand. So from the story, as one veteran JGB trader remarked privately to us, quote, there is no cash market anymore. There are no buyers. <laughs> wow. We're, we're kind of already there. Now, do you recall what I've said here about the euro currency is going to collapse? And then I also said, by the way, the yen is going to collapse. 
probably second, and then the dollar last. The dollar is going to hold out longer than both of these, I, I figure. Well, and also the experts I, I interview, that's, that's what they say too, and they know a lot more about it than I do. But the Japanese debt market is imploding. The government of Japan has had to print so much money over all the years, especially since the Nikkei crash in 1989, that there's not much faith in their currency either. And the euro is losing value and losing faith, especially with the industrial collapse that is shaping up quite rapidly due to the lack of energy where, you know, hey, we're burning 800 million COVID masks for heat. Wow. What, what an amazingly progressive, advanced society you have there, Germany. That's amazing. And then in the United States, you have this temporary rise of the dollar because people are fleeing Europe combined with insane money printing that continues constantly billions it seems every week or two for Ukraine not for America you know nothing for America <laughs> no no border walls for America but let's reinforce the border for Ukraine and then you've got these economic policies of just spend 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 in the US that's that's just i mean inflation is through the roof people are losing faith in the institutions of the United States government and so on and the the question remains, how big is this crash going to be when it gets underway? And could it be just days away from, at least in the debt market, just unfolding and then having a domino effect or a, a snowball effect, I guess, of uh, just rippling around the world? You know, this is like 1998 long-term capital management, except they can't contain it now with just a few billion dollars in bailout money. How do you bail out the euro? How do you bail out the yen? How do you bail out the dollar? It's not just too big to fail. It's too big to bail. You can't bail them out. And so this cascading collapse is going to continue once it gets underway. And there will be no stopping it. And the Fed, as we know, is determined to keep raising interest rates until Europe breaks and collapses. You know, we, we had that interview with Tom Luongo, and he explained all the details about that. So... I think the Fed is getting very close to breaking the world financial system, which appears to be the goal. Again, we may be just days or weeks away from this cascading failure of the debt markets. And that's what you got to watch right now. More than the stock market, the real collapse is going to happen in the debt market. It's much bigger. It's much more vulnerable. And we're already seeing crazy signs like uh, no bids, no cash, no buyers. Nobody wants to buy them. What is it? What's the value of something that nobody wants to buy? Oh, it's zero. <laughs> it turns out that the value is zero. So some of these bonds went from 97 cents to, you know, 48 cents to 24 cents, and then uh, they're heading towards zero. That's a collapse, folks. That's a, that's a collapse of uh, infinity percent when it goes to zero, it turns out, if you try to divide by zero. Now, as all of this is happening, Russia has launched another set of missiles, another massive barrage of missiles that are hitting uh, electrical power grid targets and other targets in cities all across Ukraine. It seems like Russia is no longer uh, avoiding blowing up, you know, power grid infrastructure. I guess they've said, well, we're going to change the rules now. We're just going to start taking out the power grid. So another barrage of missiles, which also proves that Russia still has not run out of missiles as the media has been telling us for over 
what, over half a year at this point. No, it seems like Russia's got plenty of missiles. And even worse, in terms of the escalation, we got a story from the Washington Examiner. Russian troops pour into Belarus by the train load, folks, by the train load. Let's see, Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko said that Russian troops would return to the country. Tens of thousands of Russian troops use Belarus as a staging ground for their initial offensive into Ukraine. But they, since then, just a few stayed behind. Well, now they're flooding back into Belarus, quote, by the train load. They're traveling in cattle cars, just a huge quantity. This is a quote from the story. Just waves of trains arriving. A Belarusian source told Kiev Post correspondent Jason J. Smart. Is that his real name? <laughs> Jason J. Smart. Okay. So what does this tell you, folks? What does it tell you? Um, Russia's getting ready for another major offensive into Ukraine. And, of course, Belarus is going to be, you know, the, the avenue for that or one of the vectors. So this is basically the invasion of Ukraine part two that's shaping up. And, you know, the escalation just continues every single day. At the same time that we're having financial collapse uh, scenarios are, let's say, shaping up. We're not there yet, but it seems like it's getting closer by the day. And we also have this possibility of a false flag cyber attack on the U.S. power grid or the U.S. banking system. While Russia is gathering apparently hundreds of thousands of new troops, you know, and they called up 300,000 in their mobilization. And we know that China has directed 200,000 to help with Russia and so on. Um, yeah, where, where do you think this ends? Not good. Not a good picture. More war, right? More escalation. Still no gas for Europe. They're going to freeze. And, uh, you know, collapsing debt markets all over the world, which is going to probably at some point bring down the currencies and bring down the stock markets. And it's just going to be a financial, you know, nightmare. Frankly, that's where this is all headed. And then on top of that, Breitbart reports the following. Check this out. Joe Biden brokered railroad union deal falls apart. Oh, remember, I thought we had solved the whole railroad union strike thing because all these unions had agreed to, you know, the new contract. And so they weren't going to go on strike. Well, according to this story, Joe Biden's tentative railroad union deal fell apart on Monday after a freight rail workers union rejected it, raising fears of a looming Strike. So this was the Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way Employees Division of the Teamsters. Yes. Again, I love the names of these unions. <laughs> I love it when they. <laughs> it's the, again, we're the Brotherhood of the Teamsters Union. Yeah, we we don't like your proposal. We're just going to reject it. We're going to reject it. We're going to walk off. None of us will come to work. If you want to bring us back, you're going to have to pay us triple plus overtime plus medical. Yeah, we're the Brotherhood of the Teamsters. Railroaders are discouraged and upset with working conditions and compensation and hold their employer in low regard. This is from Union President Tony, Tony Cardwell. I'm Tony. If you don't like it, uh, you know, we throw you under the railroad trains, you know, put you on the tracks. I'm Tony. He says railroaders do not feel valued. Actually, I agree with Tony here. I think he's got a good point. I think the railroad workers are getting kind of a short end of the stick and all of this. I think they're the hours. I mean, look, railroad people really work. 
these are not people just sitting around goofing off, okay? These are not bureaucrats. These are actual hands-on, mostly guys, but some women. And, and they work. They work hard. And it's a, it's a dangerous job in, in many instances. And the hours are insane. The overtime that's demanded of you is insane. And you're, you're at great risk hauling, you know, very valuable cargo and sometimes explosive materials and hazardous materials and so on. And you're, you're running trains through cities where local police officers park their cars on the tracks, by the way. And then they arrest people and put them into the cars on the tracks. We saw that last week. So, yeah, it, it's a crazy industry to be in. You know, railroad, it, it's tough. So I think I think these guys do deserve more money, frankly. I'm, I'm with Tony. Give them some more money. <laughs> he says... He says railroaders do not feel valued. You know, they, they resent the fact that management holds no regard for their quality of life. Illustrated by the stubborn reluctance to provide a higher quantity of paid time off. I love how he says it, a higher quantity of paid time off. Yeah, we get it. We need more time off, especially for sickness. So anyway, he says um, they're going to continue to negotiate. Anybody else want to negotiate? Yeah. Yeah, we threw Bobby Lou under the train. Anybody else want to negotiate? We're, we're ready to negotiate. That's how I think that should go down. <laughs> probably. But, you know, in all seriousness, folks, you probably notice a pattern uh, of who I support in America. I support truckers. I support the honest cops that are trying to do an actual good job of, of preventing crime and violence. I support the railroad workers. I do. I support the blue-collar workers. You know, the, the guys running the shipyard cranes. You know, the the guys doing the electrical work. The guys doing the plumbing. The guys, and I say guys, I know some, some of it's women, but it's mostly guys. And I support all these people. I support anybody actually doing something useful, basically. And a lot of those are unionized uh, folks, which which is fine. I'm not anti-union or anything like that, even though the unions tend to run kind of strong Democrat, you know, in terms of their political endorsements. But I I support people who do real work and, and get things done with their hands, like, uh, you know, UPS delivery drivers, for example. That's a tough job. And those trucks are hot in the summer, you know, and uh, they're they're working hard and they're trying to move boxes of all the craziest things that people ship people ship you know transmissions in a cardboard box don't forget folks when i was in college i worked at ups i was a loader i loaded cardboard boxes until three in the morning in hot trucks in the summer in the midwest i did that job i know exactly what it's like i i was doing it and people ship the craziest things people ship body parts okay People, no, seriously, people ship body parts. And every once in a while, you're, you're tossing a box into the truck. You're trying to build the wall of packages. And you're like, eh, there's blood coming out of this box. And so you have to call the, the UPS uh, hazmat team. No, seriously, the, people ship the craziest stuff you can't even imagine. Or like I said, they take a transmission off a truck that's leaking transmission fluid. They throw it in a cardboard box and they ship it UPS. Folks, it's not going to hold together. The transmission is going to come out of the cardboard. I guarantee it, especially after it's weakened with the transmission fluid. But anyway, uh, look, I I feel a kind of brotherhood, technically, with other workers who, who work hard because I've been there. I know what that's like. It's a, it's a t 
tough way to try to get ahead in this society today. I feel for him. Now, uh, let's shift gears here a little bit into the political realm. Tulsi Gabbard has announced that she's leaving the Democratic Party of elitists and warmongers. She describes them as people who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms and are driven by cowardly wokeness. I love this woman. She's nailing it. <laughs> she's great. So she's issued a statement, and she, she's using a lot of, uh, you know, strong terms here. She, she says that the, the Democrat Party demonizes the police, and that it's a party that believes in open borders. She says the Democrats have weaponized the national security state to go after political opponents. And she warns that the Democrats are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war, and among other things. And again, I, I think she's she's awesome for having the courage to come out and say this. And, you know, all of us, we, we, we kind of liked Tulsi Gabbard even when she did have a D beside her name, right? Because she's a principled person, and, and she wasn't afraid to speak out against a lot of this nonsense and this wokeism and just the insanity and the censorship of the radical left. Well, now she's no longer a D. So I guess she's uh, uh, maybe an independent now or maybe undefined. I don't know. I mean, she's not going to become a Republican, I don't think. I, it's not my – I mean, not that I care. I don't care about the parties. I care about people's principles, right? But maybe she is setting herself up for a run in 2024. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe she's going to run with DeSantis, and it'll be a ticket like DeSantis Gabbard, you know. Or maybe she's going to run with Trump or something. Who knows? Trump and, and Gabbard? I don't know. Or uh, Carrie Lake, I think, once she becomes governor of Arizona, she's moving up quickly. And we love Carrie Lake. She's just rocking it every day in Arizona. Be sure to vote for Blake Masters and Carrie Lake, you know, Blake Masters for Senate. And be sure to vote for Oz, by the way, for Senate in Pennsylvania. We don't want Fetterman in there. Uh, the guy, frankly, is just cognitively incapable of being a United States senator. Let's just be honest about it. Kind of like Joe Biden is cognitively incapable of being the commander in chief. But, <laughs> but we saw what happened there. But I think Tulsi Gabbard has a strong political future, and so does Carrie Lake. And I really, really support principled people who stick to their guns and who don't put up with any flack from the media. Just tell it like it is, you know. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard has real courage, and uh, you may not agree with her on every single issue, and I, I don't either, but she represents what Americans should be, I think, in, in you know, representational government. Having principles and being willing to call out your own party when they've gone insane, which is what the Democrats have done. So thumbs up, Tulsi Gabbard. Now, let's shift to some economic analysis here. This is very important to understand that uh, trans-Pacific shipping rates have plunged 75% now because of, well, plummeting U.S. retail demand. So retailers like Walmart and Best Buy and Target and so on and Costco, they've got way too much inventory, way too much stuff. It's not moving as quickly as they thought, and so they're canceling orders in a huge way, canceling orders from China and other countries. And so the international shipping rates, you know, via cargo ships are plummeting big time and the shipping activity is falling off a cliff. So think about where we are. We're suffering very high inflation. Everything's getting more expensive, but the economy now is going into a depression, not just a recession, a depression. 
or stagnation, and that's where you get the term stagflation, or at least I know people argue about what it means exactly, but stagflation means stagnation of the economy combined with inflation, which is caused by money printing, essentially. So we are facing a scenario where you're going to pay more and more for uh, goods and services because of inflation, but the retailers are going to be selling less and less of everything because people can't afford the higher prices. This is going to result in massive layoffs. So you're going to have job cuts across the economy. It's already begun. And you're seeing it in the mortgage industry, for example, where a lot of banks are slashing their mortgage-related jobs and home sales are plummeting across the country right now, uh, you know, because of, well, interest rates and loan rates uh, primarily. But people are running out of money to buy things. And so consumer demand is absolutely plummeting. And again, this is going to lead to mass joblessness across the United States. It's also going to lead to huge sales on a lot of inventory over the next several months. So as you know, we have Black Friday coming up, which is the Thanksgiving weekend kind of shopping spree. Uh, Black Friday is not going to be the same as it has been. Basically, Black Friday now is spread out over the entire rest of the year. Like every day is going to be Black Friday because the retailers are trying to liquidate everything they can. They're just trying to clear space off their shelves at this point because they've got containers full of goods in the back parking lot that they can't get rid of. And this is why, you know, Christmas stuff is out so early too. You may have noticed there's Christmas stuff in the stores now. They're just trying to just get rid of everything as quickly as possible. So they're going to have Black Friday every day between now and the end of the year. And then after the actual Black Friday Thanksgiving weekend, you're going to see, my prediction is you're going to see deep, deep discounts on consumer goods for the month of December and well into next year. So if there's something that you need, I don't know what you're looking for, lawnmower, whatever, uh, Maybe the winter time is the best time to buy that anyway if you want to get a good deal. But if you can wait until after Thanksgiving on something that you really want, even a car, you know, a vehicle, a, a truck, whatever, then definitely wait because these things are going to get a lot cheaper or you know less less expensive in the very near future. Now we are still experiencing insane demand. For our storable food products, by the way, you, you you may know that yesterday we had Ranger buckets in inventory at the Health Ranger store. And just like I predicted, they, they sold very, very quickly. Turns out that this particular quantity that we put in the inventory lasted um, three and a half hours. And that was it. It was gone. And that's what we were able to manufacture over the last, I don't know, month or more. It's gone in three, three, three and a half hours. So, number one, I want to thank you for your support if you did purchase our Ranger Buckets and, and also say, just give you this intel that, yeah, demand is very, very high for preparedness type of gear or food supplies or things like that, even as demand is dropping off in many other areas such as consumer goods and certainly cosmetics and luxury goods and things like that, fashion, clothing, all those kinds of areas. So, Consumers are shifting their priorities in order to prepare for what's coming. At least some people are. And that's that's a good sign. I'm always glad when people are planning ahead. Like, 
you know, the Germans that have figured out it's going to get cold and they're going to have something to burn. You know, what what's flammable around here? You know, looking around. Can we burn the bureaucrat uh, desks and maybe they, we can burn all the office furniture in Berlin? How, you know, in the in the government buildings, I mean, that that's a good place to start. Burn the office furniture <laughs> so they they can't write any more silly laws. How about that? By the way, you know this winter is going to be a very busy season for firefighters all across Europe because people are going to set their homes on fire. Why? Because they don't have experience managing fires. You know, you can you can cause accidents if you don't know what you're doing. And some people are silly and they'll throw like gasoline in there to start the fire. They don't realize they're creating a fuel air explosive in their living room or wherever, you know. Folks, uh, be safe about this, okay? Whatever you're going to burn for heat this winter, be be cool about it. You know, be safe. I'm a stickler for having fire extinguishers, as you know. Make sure if you're running firewood, you got a fire extinguisher. Sometimes, uh, especially a lot of people are going to be burning green wood. And you, you know what's a characteristic of burning green wood? It pops because... The water is vaporizing inside the wood, and you can actually have a piece of wood that's on fire, and then it pops, and it blows off a chunk of that wood out of the fireplace or the wood stove into your living room where it lands on the carpet and just sets that carpet on fire. Now, yeah, that can happen, especially, again, you're trying to burn green wood. So it's good to have a fire extinguisher handy if you're setting things on fire. Now, I don't even know what happens if you try to stuff 5,000 COVID masks into your oven and and to try to set those on fire, I imagine it would be a very horribly stinky black cloud coming out of your chimney and probably would get the authorities uh, to come to your door and arrest you for some kind of, you know, ecological violation. But when the government does it, it's okay. But when you do it, it's bad. Just remember that. If you burn masks, you're going to go to jail. And that jail will be heated by the government burning masks. Anyway, the the bottom line in all of this today and kind of the, the overarching topic here is that the debt market looks like it's about to implode. And the you know, keep your eyes peeled on this because the time to maneuver, you know, the allowable window of maneuvering your funds is going to be quite limited once things start to break. You're gonna have to, you know, get in or out of proper vehicles or accounts or, or assets as, as things are just basically being annihilated by the collapsing debt market. So I say, watch that very, very carefully. Remember the debt market is far more important than the stock market in this regard. And then also, of course, make sure you've got your assets squared away into uh, hard assets. At least that's, that's my opinion, things that hold value and that aren't subject to, a risk of uh, financial collapse and real things, you know, physical gold and silver land and all the things we've talked about before, things that actually hold value that can't just vanish because of a market condition. Okay. And then uh, one more story here, then I'm going to wrap this up, but I know this is a lot shorter than my typical podcast. And also, and you may have noticed we don't have an interview today. We don't have a guest and uh, I'll tell you what, what happened there actually, I did have a guest scheduled and uh, he came on and we we were talking in the pre-interview and uh, he's got a lot of documents and we we talked a little bit turns out 
I've got to go through these documents. It's just an overwhelming amount of information, and it did not fit into a an interview format whatsoever. So we're just going to reschedule that. Sorry about uh, not having an interview for you today. But this is what happens in the real world. Sometimes you connect with a new guest, and and it, it's really like a it's like a four hour presentation. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's an overwhelming amount of information. That's kind of what happened. So that's why we don't have an interview tonight. But we will have an interview, of course, tomorrow and the next day. And I am scheduled to reconnect with Karen Kingston shortly. Within a few days here, she's got some bombshell new information on top of the bombshells that she was dropping the other day. New patents, new documents. Oh, my goodness. She is quite a researcher. I tell you what. Uh, we're going to reconnect with her and bring you that interview coming up soon. In the meantime, in the meantime, okay, here's a story. Texas Christian mom goes viral with warning that new Disney movie could open the gates of hell into your home. And this is the new Disney movie called Hocus Pocus 2. And it debuted apparently on Disney Plus last week. Well, parent named Jamie Gooch issued a Facebook warning about the film. Although this post has been removed. She said, um, I would not be wrong to sound the alarm and warn you to protect your children. After all, the whole movie is based on harvesting the purity of children's souls so that witches may live on. She says that the witches and warlocks in the satanic church abuse and sacrifice children in their spiritual rituals to gain more power in the underworld. So before you hit play on the night of the premiere of this movie, ask yourself, if not only in your mind, but your children's minds, ask if, if they're strong enough to ward off the hypnotization and bewitching trance that will be coming through the screen to aid in the desensitization of the evil, the, the coming evil in this world. Don't fall victim to the schemes of hell. And then she talked about this in an interview with KWTX-TV. She says the worst case scenario is you unleash hell on your kids and in your home. The, the whole movie is based on witches harvesting children for blood sacrifices. Everybody thinks it's fake and innocent, but they could be casting any type of spell that they want to. Anything could be coming through that TV screen into your home. Now, I know that this woman was uh, mocked by the left, but the reason I wanted to mention this is because I think she's right. And I think Disney, of course, is a satanic Luciferian institution. And I think they've dropped any pretense now and that their movies are, in fact, teaching children how to engage in demonic rituals in order to summon demons into their lives so these demons can take over children. I think that's literal. So I don't think that this mom is, you know, off base in any way whatsoever. And I think Disney is now in the business of summoning demons and uh, basically spiritually kidnapping children. Call it like Luciferian child grooming. That's pretty much Disney in a nutshell right there. So, yeah, don't let your kids watch Disney, obviously. Don't let your kids watch Netflix or grandkids. You know, keep them away from all of the, the, the witchcraft type stuff that's being pushed through media. Because, you know, some of it is very, very dangerous. And, and they're, they're trying to use animations and cartoons to try to tell kids, oh, this is all innocent, there's little animated demons that show up and they do little tricks. And they, No, this is a Luciferian takeover of the souls of children. 
And they use blood rituals to do that. And then they try to, you know, and then they try to uh, possess the children and take over their bodies. And, and you know, the, the, the demonic forces then try to move around in this world pretending to be humans. And that's how we get Nancy Pelosi, obviously, right? And that, <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, this is how we get some of the so-called people that you see walking around and it's like, yeah, it doesn't look human. Doesn't talk human, doesn't sound human, doesn't act human, doesn't even love humanity, doesn't care about humanity one bit. You know why? They're not human. That's why. And now all, all this demonism and the, the ritual possession uh, schemes have all gone mainstream, and it's, it's Disney now. Magical Kingdom. What's magical about it? You can be possessed by a demon. That's magic. Yeah, dark magic, black magic, sorcery. Yeah, that stuff exists. That's real. It's it's not just fantasy land fiction like transgenderism. It's a real thing. They're taking over the bodies of children. So anyway, be careful with all that stuff. Make sure that you protect yourself and your family against all these demonic forces. They, You know, and... All the blood rituals of uh, abortion, by the way, are, according to many people, opening up or allowing the portals to be more easily used by demonic entities to come into this world. So a lot of the the torture and sacrifice of children is about opening portals to let demonic entities become the Pope or whatever they are. <laughs> you know, the, the Pope is the entity, as Steve Quayle says. All right. So I just want to thank you for listening and thank you for your, your patience and thank you for your blessings and all your support, all of that. And I'll be with you again tomorrow with more updates. Uh, be safe, you know, get prepared. Take all of this seriously. Make wise decisions and we will all get through this together. The, the thing to watch right now is the collapsing debt market. Watch for banks to go under. Pensions will collapse. And then later... The stock market will follow and currencies will follow the euro, the yen, and then ultimately the dollar. But it looks like the debt market's going to implode first. So keep your eyes on uh, 10-year treasuries and uh, 10-year debt instruments in Japan and also the gilts and the pension funds and the Bank of England and uh, the European Central Bank as well. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day. Take care. A global reset is coming, and that's why I've recorded a new nine-hour audiobook. It's called The Global Reset Survival Guide. You can download it for free by subscribing to the naturalnews.com email newsletter, which is also free. I'll describe how the monetary system fails. I also cover emergency medicine and first aid and what to buy to help you avoid infections. So download this guide. It's free. It's my gift to you simply because I want like-minded people to survive.